ChoosCast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Hi, I'm Sam. Hi. We've been waiting for you. I uh, see that you already met Coach. He must be a good worker. Let me, uh, let me introduce you around here. That's uh, Cliff, Annette, this is Norm, uh, this is Diane Chambers. Annette. Diane. <laughs> well, you must hear about me from Carla all the time, huh? No. Have you ever mentioned another waitress here? Oh, yes. I've heard her talk about fish face. <laughs> she quit. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me for the second episode of the second season is a longtime friend of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, Tim Price. What's up, Tim? Hey, how you doing, Ryan? I must say that being called a friend of the network just makes my day. This is the second time you've called me a friend of the network, and I'm really happy to hear that. That just makes me smile. Well, that you know, that's that's what we do here. <laughs> that's part that's part of the whole uh, package for the Fire and Water Network. You, know? <laughs> you you give us you you patronize us or give us our your patronage with uh, listening to the shows, and we reward you with uh, flattery. And, uh, I will take it. I will take it. No problem. Before we get into this episode, uh, you have to. It's your first time on the show, so you have to let us know how and when did you discover Cheers. My story is not that peculiar or anything. I really was able to just start watching it when the show first premiered, when the very first pilot episode came out. I was about 15 when it came out at the time, and watching TV was just something our family did. We enjoyed the the evening TV programs, and. So just when Cheers um, first aired, I think really what got us into it was that my father was also a big TV watcher, and he really enjoyed Taxi, and the rest of us all liked watching Taxi as well. And I think there was just enough understanding about the creators that we knew Cheers was also from the same creative team as Taxi. So we definitely gave it a, a look from the very beginning. And just, you know, as you've seen from my handful of comments on the comment pages for the show, one or two here or there. Uh, we really did enjoy the show from day one. And so I followed it all along from the very beginning. Now there's, of course, were stretches here and there where we couldn't watch it, the the broadcasts live when they would come out on Thursday nights especially. But I also was able to rewatch plenty of times during the syndication. You know, there, there'd be weeks when the local TV station, especially out of, in Washington, D.C., would be showing an hour of reruns every night so you could watch an hour of Cheers every single night and then catch the, the new episode on Thursday. And I'd just be watching like the whole week of Cheers back in the day. So that was so much fun. Nice. 
I'm envious of that. Although it's very <laughs> possible that I had the same thing at some point. But. Oh, sure. All right. Well, then, getting into this episode, uh, season two, episode two, the title is Little Sister Doncha. This episode is written by Heidi Perlman, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, October 13th, 1983. And that's a little bit weird because it's two weeks after the season premiere. So the season premiered, and then there was a week hiatus, and then the second episode came two weeks later. So I have no idea. I didn't look back at the scheduling for what was on NBC that Thursday, October 6th in 1983, (laughs) but there must have been something. I just find that really weird that they would have their premiere, then take a week off, and then the next episode two weeks later. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. It's near the end of baseball season, so... You almost could think there might have been a playoff game going on back then at that period, but usually that would be interfering with much more than just one weeks of of episodes. So that's that's pretty peculiar. True. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I, it must have been some sort of special television event or something in a award show or maybe some kind of like a, a, a dress from the president or something. I, I have no idea. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Uh, So, getting into the episode, when Carla goes into labor, her sister, Annette Lozaponi, covers for her at the bar. Carla warned Sam and the gang that Annette is the shy one and a bit socially awkward, but maybe Carla doesn't know her sister that well. Before her first shift is over, Annette has made dates with numerous customers, including Cliff, and throws herself at Sam in his office. After a few days, Annette has been with half the guys in Cheers, if not the whole city of Boston. But Cliff, who has been away from the bar recuperating from a work injury, thinks that they're dating exclusively. He returns to Cheers to tell the gang that he plans to propose to Annette. Norm volunteers to be the bearer of bad news, taking Cliff into the pool room to tell him the truth about his girlfriend. Cliff refuses to believe it at first, but finally accepts the truth, and he and Norm acknowledge that they're best friends who would do anything for each other. And that was Season 2, Episode 2. So, big picture thoughts, what did you think, Tim? This was a really funny episode. It's not really one of the landmark episodes, or even one of the hallmark episodes of the of the show, but it's just a nice, straightforward comedy. It's got this the misunderstanding um, got a little bit of the of romance thrown in, plenty of one-off jokes throughout it. And it's a good solid episode, but it's not one that's um, I, I can't imagine it being on anybody's favorites list. Maybe I'm kind, maybe not uh, the right right way to be phrasing that, but eh, you know, it's I, I I always enjoy it. I always enjoy seeing it, but it's not going to be like the top ten or something in in Cheers episodes. Right. And I mean, I always say the worst episode of Cheers is still a really good half hour of television. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so so to, <laughs> to not be on like uh, the not to be on the favorites list is not necessarily a an indictment against the quality of the show, because this is really good. And it is it does have some really sweet moments and some really funny moments. Mm-hmm. I think the, part of the surprise is the shift in focus. Um because this is written by Heidi Perlman, who is the younger sister of Rhea Perlman, who plays Carla, and mm-hmm. uh, Heidi Perlman wrote some episodes in the first season where Carla got pregnant, and it's sort of like this is the the culmination of this, so it's really mm-hmm. – it's not necessarily 
Carla heavy, but it is Rhea yeah. Perlman heavy episode. Oh, absolutely. It's also a big Norm and Cliff episode, and it's kind of funny because the first episode of the season, the premiere, dealt with Sam and Diane because it was they finally getting together mm-hmm. and the uh, you know the the consummation of their long will they won't they romance you know finally coming. So mm-hmm. it's kind of funny that for this one that plays the the Sam and Diane thing plays into the teaser of this episode. It starts off with them kind of <laughs> Diane goes to the bar and she's sort of flirting with Sam. They're kind of doing a sexy voice as they kind of repeat an order and. Carla and the others are just kind of disgusted over it. And I, I always remember this scene because uh, Diane orders like two, uh, two like martinis or something. And the way Sam goes, gin or vodka. And just the way he says vodka so slowly. <laughs> There's just something about it that they're oh, trying, yeah. trying to make that sound sexy. And it's just, what? What? <laughs> but after that, I mean, as much I mean, Sam and Diane, you know, they're still kind of like the heavies and, and they're the leaders of the group, but they really do take a backseat to the supporting characters in this episode. And that's kind of refreshing. Absolutely. That was that was one of the things that definitely makes this a fun episode. You get you get to see more of our supporting characters come to the front than any of the other episodes. I mean, the, the Sam and Diane had still were part of the story and the story you know, naturally revolves around them to a degree, but they're not the focus. They don't drive the story and they definitely don't resolve it at the end. But, you know, let's, if back up to the opener, it is just so funny to also see this transition in Sam and Diane from what we had in season one to season two is that there was flirting galore in season one, nonstop. And of course, Sam just being relentlessly trying to turn everything into a double entendre. Um, but now we have this change where since they're now dating, it changes into them both being in on it and it becomes a bit more brazen and <laughs> just downright <laughs> just being just downright seductive whenever they say anything. So it's just just so funny to see that change. And it was just a little it's just a little switch. It's just a little switch instead of it being like a game. It's a different kind of game now. It's not a matter of will they, won't they. It's a matter of right now or later. It's <laughs> <laughs> right, and and certainly the PDA is not as appreciated by everybody else in the bar at this at this stage. Oh no! So and yeah, Carla's reaction to it is just is just precious. Of a uh, oh, oh god, here comes another order, <laughs> and you just know something's coming. <laughs> so then we get back into the main episode after the credits, and Carla, who at this point. The character is still pregnant. Uh, Rhea Perlman had her baby during the hiatus between seasons um, because that storyline was written into because the actress got pregnant during the first season. So she's had her baby, but the character is still pregnant and she's leaping down the stairs from Melville's. Is it like trying to jost- like trying to basically just shake the baby out? And it's like kind of <laughs> kind of horrifying as much as it is sh- funny and shocking. But she she has this amazing line. She says, "I think I'm going to be pregnant for the rest of my life." Just like it said in the yearbook, which is so good. <laughs> when you notice, when you know that by the end of her story, she has eight kids. And it's, oh yeah, oh man, that's pretty. That's that's one of the scary things about, about Carla right there is that oh yeah, it just doesn't stop. But yeah, that that image of her just jumping forcefully and then gives the the her stomach the big old shake at the bottom of the stairs. It's like oh, she's she's just trying so hard. Uh, you also it also kind of flies in the face of the cliche of the of the motherhood of mothers being worried about the baby it's like oh no no not carla i've already had a few of these i ain't worried anymore the baby can take it right right and i mean when you think of how many of her kids are going to end up having you know 
criminal records when they grow up. I mean, is this is she traumatizing her baby still in the womb? It's it's kind of um, so. There's this next another little like sweet moment when they're they're trying to induce her basically, and she mentions that you know last time she went into labor it was because the TV show or it was like Benny Hill made her laugh. So Diane says, "Well, I've got a funny face that can make you laugh," and she do- starts doing right, this, right. this weird thing with her eyelids and her tongue shooting out, and she has this crazy facial thing. Now this is clearly just something that Shelley Long is capable of doing it because they come back to this thing again and again throughout the show is mm-hmm. Diane's facial tick and there's just something oh, like yes. Shelley Long just had this command of every muscle of her face that she's able to do stuff like this and it's just amazing and the whole gag here yeah the gag here is that she's she's doing all this crazy stuff and Carla's just letting her go on she's like well, I don't think your funny face is going to help, but go ahead and give it a shot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, they, they they came back to that joke. They did a variation on that joke twice there because Diane says, um, I have a face that will make people laugh. And Coach says, but you have a nice personality, Diane, which, which, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which, is, which is just the guileless coach is like – now he would never knowingly say anything bad about Diane's appearance. It's but he's he just he his instinct is to try to make her feel better. Right, exactly. All the time. Exactly. Which is why we love Coach. That's why we love him. But yes, that, that whole bit there with the funny face. Uh, it's it's just incredible how that face and the facial tick. I I when we saw that when you saw her do this funny face here, it's like you have to be thinking about the facial tick thing too. You just have to because it's she's just able to just flex those facial muscles like you were saying in any way that she wants to practically. It's like I I want to see if she'll, she'll have any more chances to do that throughout the seasons. I just don't recall any other ones offhand. But then that does go into the play with her whole facial expressions. When she does facial expressions, that's one of the things that's just so great about her as an actress, too. I mean, you see her when she'll go from ecstatic into abject horror in just a heartbeat, uh, and hilariously so. Not making you feel scared for her, but like she'll have a disgusted look on her face, and you just buy into it. But it's also – and she just still makes it look funny. And the whole bit with her face, it plays off so wonderfully a few minutes later because Carla is telling Sam, you know, she, you know, her shift will be covered by her sister, Annette. And she goes into this whole thing describing Annette as kind of the, they say, the white sheep of the family. And then they're like, well, when is Annette going to start? And Carla says, soon, my water broke about four minutes ago. And this was nearly my favorite part of the episode is Diane, like, claps her hands and she's so proud. She's like, it was my funny face, wasn't it? She wants to take credit for it (laughs) (laughs) yes that's a great that was a great moment that's just too great oh i love it yeah but and carla's saying that she wants that she didn't want to say anything yet because she still had some customers and it was her last chance to get some pity tips it was just (laughs) and there she is being hauled by sam out the door still haranguing her customers to leave leave their tips for her as she's going on on her way to saint allegis which, of course, is a call out to St. Elsewhere, right. <laughs> which is so funny. So it's St. Elsewhere in Cheers continuity. Is that is that what we're establishing here? Well, it is, and the, and vice versa, because there is a crossover. Uh, is it, it might be the last episode of season three of St. Elsewhere is called Cheers, and there's like a whole like crossover thing where they come to the bar. Oh, and oh, then if you think about how crazy. the end of St. Elsewhere mm-hmm. – like the final episode of St. Elsewhere and everything, like you realize like the whole show was inside the mind of like a, an autistic child or something like that. And like, so it sets up like, well, wait a minute. Does that mean yes. Cheers was part of that kid's like fantasy world? 
but wait, Cheers also crossed over with shows like Frasier and Wings, and I think like maybe even Homicide, Life on the Street, or something, because um, the character of Detective Munch, I think, was in like some of these. It's oh, it's nuts. It's, oh yeah. So absolutely, that's, that's a weird little <laughs> shared universe. Either that or the St. Elsewhere final scene is um, a parallel Earth where that autistic kid is just tapping in his, – his brain is tapping into the vibrations <laughs> from the other Earth and thus pulling in the stories that, that are actually happening at St. Elsewhere, like, like a la the DC Universe and, and Earth Prime. We can no-prize it that way. Is that, is that going to work? Let's go with that. <laughs> Somehow that makes it easier. (laughs) It shouldn't, because that sounds ridiculous. As it should. So, Carla goes off, and uh, sort of jumping ahead a little bit later, actually, we do get a scene where Coach goes to visit Carla in the hospital. And now this is uh, kind of an interesting thing, because Coach shows the baby and Carla like recovering in the hospital and everything through a home video that he took. He brought like a camera to the hospital and he puts it up on a projector and this is all shown to them as if it was like a little mini home movie thing in Cheers in like the main part of the bar. This is going to become kind of a, 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 I'm not sure if it's a staple, but they do this at least three times throughout the course of the show Mm -hmm. where they do kind of show like little mini movies or, or home slideshows or projections like this as a way of kind of showing exterior action that they couldn't really do the whole thing of. So it is nice because in the first episode of the season, we got our first scene that took place outside the bar, which was in Diane's apartment. Mm -hmm. This kind of is the same thing because we get all this stuff inside the hospital. Now it's not really a scene per se that we see. We're getting some action just shown from, from uh, coach's visit to the hospital. And, um, and that's where the fifth baby is born. Um, Watching that whole scene there, nowadays on streaming, I could swear that when I used to see that whole bit in the hospital on the reruns, that they would have cut out the part of Coach going into the wrong hospital room <laughs> where there's the, the body of a man who just died and the widow is in tears right there and she's like, get out of my room with this with your camera and Coach <laughs> tries to cheer her up with a little stuffed doll that she had brought for the baby and the widow throws it back in his face and she's all mad at him. It's, I don't think that was, I don't think that was in the the reruns. I think they had to cut that out to, you know, squeeze in more commercial time. Um, I can see that. Yeah. But it's still just a very funny scene. You you need that. You kind of need that scene just a little bit of a buildup before actually making into the, the hospital room with with Carla and the kids, and Carla's kids are just hooligans. They are just monsters running all over the room. Carla's not able to keep any of them under control. They're just there's just a wild bunch of kids. Oh my gosh! Uh, how, how old is your how old is your how old is your boy now? <laughs> oh, oh, I know, really. But Carla's not even she's not even lying down in bed. She's like standing on the bed or like at least like up on her knees trying to control the four old. Older kids who are running around, and yeah, like one of them, um, one of one of her kids, not Anthony, but Gino, like takes the camera away from. No, 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 it was Anne Marie. It was one of her daughters takes the camera away from Coach and starts like putting it underneath the table, so you get like Coach's reaction. You actually see his face. Yeah, June, Gino squirted the camera with a water pistol, and Coach has to try to clean the lens, and that's when the other girl grabbed the camera yeah. away from him. Or Serafina, I don't remember. Which is some great shooting. They had, which is really great that they got that shot is like did they have an actual cameraman who would like climb down on the ground for for coach 
for, for, for Nick Calsanto to be begging the, the camera back to, or did they really trust it with one of the little kids? I don't really think they trust it with one of the little kids. <laughs> I think they wanted to make sure they got the shot. I think Nikki Calasanto had actually done some directing in his past, too, so I wonder how much of that might have even been mm-hmm. staged or choreographed by him, like if he had actually been the camera operator for that. Mm, I would believe that. I would believe that all the way, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So then the the other sort of major subplot that dominates the show is we do see Annette, who comes in, played again by Rhea Perlman, in a completely different type of role. Mm-hmm. She's not playing Carla, and she's not playing the role that she uh, – what was it? Zia on, uh, from Taxi. It's a completely different Zena. role. Like, Zena. Sorry. There's something like like her teeth or something. Like, they, they, like they've really made her up so that she doesn't look just like Carla's twin sister, but you can tell it's her. But her her line delivery, her voice is all different, and she just seems very kind of uptight, prim and proper. But, mm-hmm. yeah, she just kind of like totally, it like apparently ends up like hooking up with everybody at the bar. They all ask her for dates, and she's accepting them. Like when Sam is trying to kind of like say like, you know, he, he's giving her the benefit of the doubt, and he's like, you know, men might be taking advantage of you, and she like dives on him, tackles him onto the couch. Uh, later on, she says she, she hasn't seen the baby. She hasn't been to the hospital yet because she went to the hospital to see Carla and the baby's but she met the chief surgeon in the in the parking lot, and they split a six pack in his van. <laughs> what the hell is up with this woman? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the the whole thing with the transformation into Annette, which I really that's what it really feels like, is just remarkable. Because I mean, they've got to put this. It's got to be a straight hair wig that they put on top of Rhea's head, because there's no way they could straighten out that curly mop she has that fast. No way. So it had to be a, a wig all the way. And yeah, it's the, and all of her mannerisms, her body language, her voice, it, uh, you know, that the hats off to Rhea Perlman for really pushing the envelope on and, and, and like taking the challenge of being able to, to play a, a completely different character in the same show. That's got to be something that I would think is a, a fun challenge for an actor or actress is, you know, when you get to play the same part all the time, it's some great, um, Consistency and security, job security, which, you know, in the acting profession, you have very little of. Uh, So any opportunity to play a different character, but still and still have your same job, that's got to feel pretty good. And uh, thinking of her role on Xena was also kind of part of why I like talking about Taxi earlier and its lead into Cheers. Because, yeah, we really get to see that Xena, in my head, is probably closer to how Rhea Perlman is in real life. She's actually a pretty a pretty sweet and nice person, but she's sharp and has got a little bit of a sarcastic bent to her. So she's somebody who can hold up, hold her own with Louis De Palma, who is, of course, a scum of the earth. And why she even puts up with him, we never really understood. Uh, but that was always amazing. Uh, which, you know, but it's always fun to see her and real-life husband Danny DeVito together. That was always just great. They had great chemistry, obviously. Um, but then to see her, you know, Carla is like taking the snarkier, sarcastic parts of Xena and cranking them up a little bit so that she's got a really big edge – Sometimes just devious, sometimes all the way to malicious attitude and way that she'll treat other people. Um, and she just will push it right there. And then so to have her do this Annette character as a complete 180, at least as far as we can tell up front, was just so much fun and a great chance to showcase uh, Rhea as an actress. So I really love that. 
Yeah, and again, like the episode being written by her kid sister, so I'm sure they probably had a lot of fun crafting this idea together. And um, I, I mean, because Carla has to has to give birth to the kid. Now that seems like it would be a way of writing her out of the episode because she does disappear like four minutes into the show. But then they find this way of bringing the actress back so that she can really do something different, and it's it's cool. And then that kind of leads us into the subplot that kind of dominates the last half of this, which is Cliff, you know, starts dating Annette and is completely blind, does not see, realize that she's seeing everybody. And there was a little bit of a thing that I, I did have a problem with it, and this is just something that doesn't really age well, when the guys are first trying to coax him into dating her, because he Cliff comments, you know, that he thinks she's cute and everything. They're like, come on, go ask her. And Sam does have this line where he's like, come on, you'd be doing her a favor because she doesn't know anybody. And I, I that, that's just, that's a lot of, that the whole implication of that, that she has no value other than being, you know, the romantic interest of somebody that doesn't mm-hmm. age well. That's just kind of a, a crappy thing. It doesn't really, that's a bad line for, to put it in a sort of modern context. You understand, you know, in 1983 where this was coming from, but that was one of those things that just kind mm-hmm. of things. It's like, mm, no, that that's a bad line nowadays. Yeah, I would I would agree, and that's that's exactly the and that's exactly the right point. Is that it, it, like you're only if she's lonely? Well, she needs to have a needs to have a man. You know, that's the solution for this for that kind of problem. It's like no, that's not really how that works at all. Um, but it's like it was the product of the times. That that is one of the things that we do understand, and at least it's not as egregious as it, as some other things might have been around the same time too. So. Of all things, at least, I th- you also can kind of look at it as a, as a, a, they really just like egging Cliff on to because they don't see Cliff date very much as, as well. It's kind of it's in a way it's for him, it's right. for him. But I, but that still doesn't excuse the line. It's just that that's kind of what hap- is happening as well as as I see it when I was watching the show. But also, I just thought it was also very interesting that we know that in a couple of seasons, as as Cliff's character evolves. Um, I think you've talked about that phenom- the phenomenon of how- what that happens yourself. Uh, he's not going to be able to ask a-, a woman out as easily as he did this time. <laughs> we see that that completely changes in a couple of years. You know, the the just petrified at, at talking to women and like, no, that that did not happen here. He goes up, he asks her out, and he just gives a big old strut out the door when he gets the, the her phone number. So. <laughs> It's like this is not the cliff you will see in a in a couple in a in a season or so. It's also so funny when you think about the evolution of Carla and Cliff's relationship and how much she hates him. Oh. Like throughout that, oh. to wonder like about this one little moment where he was he was dating her sister. But <laughs> there's so many thoughts on that. One of the things they don't even acknowledge in this show is how much Annette and Carla look alike. I mean, I, I have twin daughters. I cannot go anywhere without somebody commenting on whether they look alike or not. When I go out to meet new people and they meet my brother, say, for the first time, they'll always comment on how much we look alike or don't look alike. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like one of those things that I – not that they had to do it, but it's, it's one of those things where you blatantly cast yourself to play your sister. <laughs> somebody should have said something. <laughs> And then so the idea about, yeah, Cliff, Cliff just dating, almost dating Carla through through proxy or like if you're saying Annette's cute, that that does mean you think Carla's cute. I mean, really, (laughs) that's what you're saying there. And uh, 
Uh, and also just the thing about when with uh, Annette throwing herself at Sam so aggressively, there's there, there's the the Carla and Sam scene that we haven't had yet either. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> it just does. It's just all kinds of wrong. Um, you know, Carla's and Sam's relationship to me from Sam's point of view, I'll put it from Sam's point of view. Yeah, I think we talked about it from Carla's point of view and other other times, but in Sam's point of view, I know that in me he feel he thinks of her as one of the guys, or when he acknowledges that she's feminine, as like a sister figure. Right. You know, he's that's 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 who she is. So the idea of her sister's sister, you know, making a pass at him. And that's just all kinds of wrong for Sam. That's why we he was putting up such a such a hilarious struggle and like, whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, trying to get her off of him. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, it's a good and it's it's punctuated by one of Coach's Coach has so many good moments in this. Just tiny oh, little yes. bits, but Coach comes in, and he's like, Hey, Sam, the phone call and he sees that, you know, she's like mounted on top of him on the on the couch and he's like, Oh, I'll just tell them that you're breaking in the new waitress. <laughs> cut to the commercial break there. Oh, that is one of the best lines. I must admit that for a long time with uh, Sam's uh, protests going on in there, sometimes it almost sounds like one of the woes is coming from Coach. So it's almost like, whoa, come, whoa I think I'll just tell him you're breaking the waitress, which kind of changes the tone of the joke a little bit. <laughs> but it's like, no, no, it's really just it's just Sam doing it. But it, it almost it almost sounds like it's Coach saying it one time. So it's just that's. That's just a that's just a great scene. A few of Coach's other good moments um, when they're talking about you know Annette you know seeing you know like accepting dates from people. He has this thing where he's like, "Sam, it's Cheers. It's a romantic bar. As many people fall in love here as get sick." <laughs> great, great description. So. And then later on, when Cliff has told the guys that he wants to, he's thinking about asking for Annette's hand in marriage, and the sort of the the brain trust of Sam, Diane, Coach, and Norm go back to the pool room to discuss this. Like, how do how do we break this? Is it our business to tell him what's going on? And they're kind of like going through these things. And Coach just has this moment. He's like, "Well, if I'm confused, everybody must be." <laughs> like, of course, that, that's that's the barometer. Oh yeah, they they gave. You can always count on Coach to have some great one-liners, but they definitely made sure that he had them in this episode. Um, and then, of course, it all kind of comes down to this final scene when uh, Norm brings Cliff back to the pool room. And it's funny and it's sweet because we think of Norman Cliff, especially with the benefit of hindsight, we think of them as the, the staple couple of the show. You know, there was Sam and Diane, there was Sam and Rebecca, mm-hmm. there was, you know, Frasier and Lilith and, like, all of these different little groups. There was always Norm and Cliff. They were this couple. But until now, we haven't really had them do a scene like this. And I, I might have to actually go back... This might be the first time in the show that an episode didn't end on a Sam and Diane moment. Mm-hmm. Because Sam and Diane were like were the leads. Like it was always about them and punctuating with their their sort of, you know, back and forth. This might be the first episode that doesn't involve them for the last couple of minutes. It's all Norman Cliff. And it's really, really good. So again, like that that's just another way of this episode just throwing it out to, you know, the supporting characters and letting them really show what they can do. And it's great. It's a nice little scene when, when Norm has to basically tell Cliff the truth and Cliff doesn't want to hear it. Absolutely. I, I would even dare say that this is probably the biggest scene, the only scene we've had thus far 
which didn't have Sam or Diane directly in it for a long stretch like this. I, I'm stre- I'm pressed to try to think of anything aside from like the occasional little bit at the bar. You know, you might have Coach and Cliff or Norm do a bit at the bar, but this was a protracted scene. Just had Cliff and Norm, and no sign of Sam or Diane. So I think that was really the first time that that's even happened. And just having a scene with just the two of them together, this has got to be the first time that that's happened at all. I, that, you know, they, they usually be at the bar and have the other bar flies around. So. I think Coach's daughter, that episode from the first season, had the scene with, with Coach and his daughter mm, in the office. Right, right. That was like kind of like a long stretch without Sam or Diane in it. And like that was really kind of the emotional climax of that episode. But that wasn't the ending. Like, right. like oh, after no. that scene is over, there's still like another two minutes left of that episode. Oh yeah. That that whole and that whole as you were saying, that whole scene was just was really just it had my home run line of the of the episode, which I'm which I, I think I bet you'll be able to guess which one it is. But uh it was also just very touching. It was you know, kind of, kind of real for two guys, you know, it was, a, it was as two guys who, you know, in, in the eighties, it was sort of accepted to be, you know, you know, you know, good, uh, more affectionate with your, with your male friends, but it still was kind of like, a you know, standoffish sort of, sort of machoism still wanting to come through. Uh, but they still were able to show that they, they really were, had affection for each other, uh, in a great way. And still be funny all the way through, um, leading up to the part at the end where Norm is like, Norm is like, you want a hug? <laughs> <laughs> and Cliff's like, nah. And I swear, Norm really does look disappointed when he says, nah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, true. He's kind of like, yeah, okay. It's like, that felt right, but okay, if you don't want it, I, I get it. Um, yeah, and, and we do kind of see Cliff kind of go through a couple of different emotions and a couple of different, like, stages almost of grief through the, throughout this. Like, at first he's in complete denial. He's like, you're crazy. And then he kind of gets angry and throws it back at Norm. He's like, what, you know, your relationship with Vera is failing, so you want me to be miserable too? You can't let me have this happiness or something? You're, you're telling me lies? And, and when he starts to kind of consider it, he's like, well, who has she been with? And Norm's like, everybody. And he's like, has she been with you? And Norm's like, no, no, of course not. And they do the whole thing about, you know. Yeah, with, with, with a, with, when you're married to a woman like Vera, you can't even think about extramarital sex. You try not to think of marital sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's perfect. So, oh, so good. So yeah. good. So yeah, it's again, it's a it's a very different episode, and it's like you said at the beginning, it's probably not an episode that pings on a lot of people's radars because it doesn't feel like it's really important to the overall narrative. Probably because Sam and Diane are shunted off to the side; it's not about them. So within that, it probably seems like an episode that a lot of people would skip. But I think it would be wrong to do that because you miss a great performance of of Rhea Perlman doing a, this dual role, and you really see like a, a new a, a side of Norman Cliff that we've known but we haven't seen. So I just think that's really really cool. So. Yes. Um, any final notes before we get into uh, the other categories? Well, I got a couple. One of the other coach lines that I think was just so funny is. Um, when he first meets Annette and she introduces herself as Annette Lowe's a pony and coach says, wow, how do you pronounce that? Lowe's a pony. Gee, just like it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coach. Thank you. <laughs> don't know what, else, don't know what, what else we would do without you. Um, but and then the, now 
I I have to pull back the St. Elsewhere references again because we have that whole bit where Annette says that she split a six-pack in the van with the chief surgeon. Who on St. Elsewhere's would that have been? (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, you know, I was looking it up. It's like, okay, there was – the 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 most prominent surgeon would have been the character played by William Dan- Daniels. Of course, the more important as the voice of, of Kit from Knight Rider. That's the most important thing that actor has ever done. So, but that does not sound like his character at all. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, who else could it have been? Uh, it uh, Mark Harmon's character have been around by then? Ooh, it that's. Uh, that almost would that almost seems possible but uh i i don't know <laughs> what are your thoughts on that though <laughs> i want to say it might have been like howie mandel or david morrison they might have just lied about their position <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly what i was thinking is that it's not really is i almost wondered if it was like uh, even one of the uh the orderlies <laughs> characters who could have been saying it because uh, i i really think annette would wouldn't have cared she just would have liked it and just gone with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, that's a that's just another thing. It's like, oh, that I just thought of that. It's like, oh, I don't want to scratch that itch, but so hard. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, did, you did remind me when Annette is first meeting the the people at the bar and everything, and Diane introduces herself and she's like, "You must have heard Carla d- discuss uh, talk about me," and Annette's like, "No." And she's like, oh, she did mention fish face. And Diane has the moment of realization of what Carla's been telling her. And, and to cover it, Diane's just like, she quit. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, that's somebody else. Like, oh, yeah. That was a – I did, I, did, I did that one written down. That was so funny. Uh, oh, a man. A little bit of uh, trivia. One of the uh, background uh, tertiary characters at the bar – the character this time called Tom, but it's played by the actor Paul Wilson. Now, Paul Wilson will eventually come back on the show and him make like 55 appearances in total in later seasons as the character Paul. Right, right. But at this point, they already had their tertiary Paul character uh, played by Paul Vaughn. So this time, Paul Wilson is playing Tom. Now, this is his second appearance in the first season. He had the whole like Lone Ranger theme song. And mm-hmm. he was credited as Greg, even though Coach called him Glenn in the episode. So... It's it's a little bit of a crazy history with like this guy's character. It, it, I like to assume that it's all the same character. They just got his name wrong a couple of times because they didn't know him. But yeah, yeah, I would agree. I was I was also fascinated by that when I first saw when I saw him in the previous episode. And I was kind of going like, well, is it like, is his name really like a compound of Glenn, Greg, Tom, Pauls? Like like in the early days of I I, I just I ran across this again recently on the early Marvel comics where they got. Bruce Banner's name wrong in a few comics, calling him Bob. So all, all of a sudden, they introduced the Robert Bruce Banner as being his yeah. full name. It's like, I, I maybe, but nah, nah. They just the, the writers just kept changing his name. But you know, oh, and but speaking of Paul, speaking of Paul, we had that other little bit which I was, which is really out of nowhere that happened in this episode too, which is. The current Paul of the show, or Paul, as Cliff would call <laughs> Paul, uh, who who all of a sudden just starts getting all this animosity towards Cliff. You know, he just starts baiting him and, and, and being insulting. Was that comment addressed to me, Paul? Oh, no, Cliff. If it was addressed to you, it'd probably get lost in the mail. It's like, oh, man. 
what is going on? <laughs> and because it was not the good natured ribbing that we've seen from the barflies before. This was this was really almost nasty. And I just it was it's just kind of funny to me. I didn't know where is this is this the first time that it really started? I think it did. I don't know if we really go much with it, but it was it just became a thing in this episode. That's for sure. He did that a few times, or at least once in the first season, where this Paul character would kind of take jabs at Cliff uh, a few times. Like that, that seemed to be the target that, where they were antagonizing each other a little bit. And I wonder, because this Paul is not much longer for the series, I wonder if the fact that like, John Ratzenberger was elevated to series regular, if that became like a thing of contention where he didn't mm. want a, you know, a character constantly making fun of him or fighting with him and that, and that wrote the character away. Or, or they just mm. found that you know, they, didn't, they didn't like that antagonistic relationship. It was just throwing off the vibe of the show. Even when Cliff is gone, like he ha- he takes another jab at him, and, and Norm kind of looks at the the other Paul, the Paul Wilson character, when he's just like, "What is going on with this guy?" Right, right. Um, um, for a little trivia, it's a little known fact: the episode title "Little Sister Don't You" is a reference to the Elvis Presley song "Little Sister." Ah, uh, I think the line is something like "Little Sister, don't you do what your big sister did," or something like that. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, okay. Um, for Norm's tab. Um, he had six beers in this episode, uh, which takes him up to 107 for the series. And Oof. I think there was just, there was something about the, the, <laughs> in the scenes in this episode where he was always transitioning. It, it seemed like every time we saw him, he was finishing a beer and ordering another one. So it just, as a good way of racking up his, his count. So he had six for this one, 107 for the series so far. Man. Yeah. I, I was noticing that, that's, that Norm was really, uh, downing them this episode. Oh my goodness. Uh, I, 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 I fear for his liver. I fear for his liver by the end of the season. Oh man. Is, is he on track for, for reaching 200 for this season? Oh, by the end of this season, I will tell you in a couple of episodes from now, he has like back to back episodes where he's in double digits. So yeah, he's, he's definitely, out. <laughs> oh, no. oh boy. So, uh, okay. So let us get into our, uh, superlative categories. And the first one is the employee of the week. This is our episode MVP who did you think was the funniest, most dramatic, or just who who stole the show this episode? Who do you have? Okay, it, this was actually a pretty t- tough call because it, it got split around pretty pretty evenly between all the characters. But like you know, because Diane was the one who really Annette, Annette was bluesy first. Um, I also really just more than the characters, I really want to give something to Rhea Perlman just for playing both the characters and doing it so well and having such a dichotomy between the two of them. But in the end, I really just had to give it to Norm for that final scene, being the one to step up to say he'll give Cliff the bad news. Um, That was a part of Norm we haven't really seen very much of. Usually he'll do that sort of thing and then joke his way out out of having to follow through. But that didn't happen in this one. This one he followed it all the way through to make sure Cliff was okay in a very touching way. So that Norm is my employee of the week. How about you? I think we are on the exact same page because I have the exact same notes. Like I wanted to give it to just Rhea Perlman for playing two different roles and what she's the, the transformation and how different they are. 
but at the end of the day, I had Norma's mind for the exact same reasons you said, that everything hinging on that last scene, um, the reluctance, the pathos, like the compassion that he has for his friend, but still being really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, like, you look at him in that scene, and it's like, this is why we love him. It's not just because of the way he, like, sits at the edge of the bar, and he always has the comments and the jokes about his wife and things like that. It's It's moments like this where it's just like, you know, He's just, he, it's a teddy bear. You do want to yes. hug him. When he's like, yes. you want to hug him, it's like, I would hug Norm. <laughs> Absolutely. And ironically, this is an episode which does not have a Norm entrance. Yeah, you're there right. There is no Norm you're in right. this episode. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> Funny for us. That, yeah. um, well, I also think we're going to be kind of on the same page for our final category, which is the the home run or the, the funniest gag, the most dramatic moment. What did you think was the episode highlight for this one? Okay, so we have, again, that, that big final scene with Norman Cliff, and Cliff is talking about, is pretty upset at Norm, saying, you're just jealous because all the magic's come, going out of your marriage, and Norm's reply is, uh, more people have en- enjoyed Annette's magic than Doug Henning's. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, it's it's a seriously dated pop culture reference because if you were watched if you watched TV in the seventies and the early eighties, then you would have seen the Doug Henning's magic specials, and I saw probably all of them. Now, of course, they were awesome. <laughs> I loved this. I loved magic, and I loved his shows. They were great. But they were they're a product of the time, so it's like. In by today's standards, I don't even know what magician you could say that the 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 new kids on the even recognize, but it would not be Doug Henning. But still, for for those who know who he is, oh, that line is just a winner. So I love that. So let me guess. I'm gonna I'm going to use my mystical powers proposing that that's your guess. That's your home run too. It was one of my two. I had two of them for this one, and that was definitely that was uh, one of them. Okay. Um, the other one, the other one that I had, uh, it's from the same scene, but it's earlier on. It's when Norm is first kind of breaking into the, like the the conversation, and he's like, you know, what's your definition of friendship? And he's like, you know, and he's like, you know, that time where you thought I was drinking too much, and I really need to slow down and everything. He's like, as a friend, I I really appreciated that. <laughs> And Cliff's like, yeah, but you didn't stop drinking, though. And Norm replies, well, I decided you were wrong, <laughs> but I still appreciate it. Oh yes, that was that was really good. I that was that was close. That was close to me as well. They gave Norm the great material in this this episode. That's for sure. Yeah, they did. They did. It was good. So, all right. Well, uh, Tim, thank you very much for helping me cover this episode of Cheers. Where else can people find you online, or if they want to hear more from you, where can they find you? Well, certainly, and not that I think anybody would want to hear from more from me, but if they were, you know, really that bored, that's okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TimPrice17. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Tim Price. I mean, there can't be too many of those. So just look for Tim Price. I'm sure that's there. Um, and right here on the Firewater Network, uh, a couple months back, I did an episode of the JLI Bwahaha podcast with Shag, where we were discussing uh, the late 1980s Mr. Miracle series written by J.M.D. Matias. Uh, that was a great episode. I had so much fun being on the show with Shag. That was since Shag got me starting to listen to podcasts in the first place for the JLI podcast. It was it was a real joy to be on his show. Um, and also, I was on an episode of Find Find Your Joy with you, <laughs> discussing Captain Marvel, but not that Captain Marvel, and not that Captain Marvel. 
but the Monica on Rambo, Captain Marvel. But also, and also talking about the movies a little bit, which was a, a that was that was a great fun to record. And as I said on the internet to many people, it's like, uh, you know, you're an editing wizard because people thought I should be could be a podcaster. And it's like, no, 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 that was just Ryan's editing. So, but that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that show. That, that was thank you again for being on the show, listeners. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to Cheerscast. Please support the show on Facebook and Twitter. Please leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And as always, until next time, we're closed. Cliff, Annette's not as innocent as you think she is. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean, now? I mean, since she's been working here, she has been around and around. <laughs> what are you saying this for, Nam? Because well, you're, you're jealous or something? Because uh, no, Annette and I are going and starting a new life together and all the magic's going out of your relationship? <laughs> More people have enjoyed a Nets magic than Doug Hennings. <laughs>